Hello and welcome back to the Dicebreaker podcast. It's episode 57. Uh, Lolis. Um, yeah, I thought I wasn't going to be here this week, so I already said last week what it was. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, Heinz Varieties. Heinz but, Varieties, right? Yeah. yeah. Like of the beans. The 57. Did we, did we say that? Am yeah, I... that definitely that stuck in my mind. I said it yeah. especially for you, Mian, because you like beans. <laughs> Do you remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe I yeah. kind of forced it out of my mind to try and protect myself from all those mean things you said yeah, yeah um, oh that you're stinky and stuff yeah, yeah that i smell because yeah, that's I... good yeah let's make sure we bring that back up yeah in the opening of this podcast. yeah we love yeah. that because I, I love beans so much yeah, yeah. Uh, they're the magical uh, i'm at jarvis <laughs> true they're full of protein okay yeah very love, good for you i mean i mm. love beans so i'm yeah, not beans judging. incredible mm. yeah Cold, warm, whatever you got. Uh, I'm Matt Jarvis. I'm the editor-in-chief of Dicebreaker. I'm joined this week by two of the team and a special guest. Uh, let's start off a guest. I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Meg. Hey, Meg, how are you Hello. doing? Hello. I am doing well. Um, I'm Professor Meg. I am a board game content creator, mostly on Instagram, a tiny bit on YouTube. Um, kind of just a lot of colorful chaos across the internet. Um, <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Meg, Meg and I actually um quite often, well, not so much lately, but quite often have the same hair color around the same time or like around the same time-ish, which is quite fun. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, Meg. I messaged Meg and I'm like, oh my God, Meg, I also have blue hair at the moment. Um, and it's quite fun. I feel like we're like, Meg, Meg changes her right hair. Yeah, Meg changes her hair more often than I do. Yeah. So um, if anyone thinks that I change my hair a lot, don't look <laughs> at Meg's you- Instagram. <laughs> Is that why you dyed your hair pink, Lily? It's because you're like, oh, I can't have the same hair color as Meg. Quick. <laughs> no, no. I actually would like to go back to blue quite soon, but I think it'll be a few months before I do. I think, honestly, that's I... what happens when you have, like, the warmer tones and the cooler tones. I go from blue to pink or, like, orange, and it's, like, blue, green, orange, pink, that when you have one, you want the other one. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Uh, I will say that we've we've color coordinated all four of us to some degree. There's elements of like blue and purple and pink going on. It's very it's very pleasing <laughs> and in you know in harmony. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thanks for joining us, Meg. Of course, we're also joined by uh, Alex Lowley's. Hey, yo! Excuse the mess for anyone who's watching this on YouTube. Um, I'm in the middle of moving house still. I've just come in today to do the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Because I didn't want to miss Meg on the podcast. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so don't judge me. This is not how I live. <laughs> if this week wasn't busy enough for you, you've come back into an extremely busy day. Uh, <laughs> Are you like that Simpsons meme where it's like, uh, is it Le- Lenny who's like, please don't tell people how I yeah. live? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty much. But this is not actually how I live, so don't judge me. And <laughs> uh, rounding out the cast this week, Alex Meehan. How you doing? Okay. Uh, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I, that I'm... weird scratching sound before you answered was kind of weird. <laughs> it's weird scratching sound. What's that? I don't know. I heard a weird scratching sound. Maybe it was oh, just me. No. Um. Well, hopefully there are not audio errors going on, everyone. Uh, no, I'm just enjoying. I'm. I'm having a lovely tea from my frozen themed mug. That my parents got me because for some reason they they are under the impression that I'm obsessed with the film Frozen. <laughs> I'm really not. <laughs> I think it's fine. But when it came out, my parents were like, "Oh, you love this stuff," so they got me 
a mug. They got me a pencil case with pencils. Oh, oh my they goodness. They got me a lunchbox. And I was like... <laughs> oh, that's so cute. <laughs> so I don't know whether they just want me to be into Frozen. Like, yeah, maybe like this a, is the... <laughs> like a normal girl and sort of being into... All, all that weird stuff that I like. It's the self-fulfilling prophecy. If you buy enough merch and just slowly stock it in your home, you become a fan by default. Yeah, and then whenever it's on television, which can be quite often, especially around Christmas, they will just message me to say, Al- <laughs> Alex, Frozen is on the television, we're watching it. And I'm like, I just think you're obsessed and you're just trying to get me into it. Mm. Like, there you go. Well, there so you go. Frozen's a great film. Oh, yeah, it's I love, fine. I, I really like Frozen. It's, good. it's got. It's got. It's fun. It's got some some problems sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. The whole section with the trolls can basically just be deleted. Mm. As far as I'm concerned, because it's rubbish. Yeah. There you go. Hot takes. <laughs> Hot takes. But uh, Hans of the Seven Isles. He's a. He's a wrong one. Spoilers. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, who hasn't seen Frozen at this point? <laughs> Sorry, Chil- spoilers for very Frozen. Very small children? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure very small children are listening to this They podcast. really shouldn't listen to this. <laughs> hey, we don't swear. We're a family-friendly podcast. We are. Um, they're massively into Uwe Rosenberg. Anyway, uh, we're here to chat about... He wants to games. see the baby, so it makes sense. <laughs> oh. Oh, me and you froze me. I thought we'd lost you for a second. It's fine. No. You'd, fine. you'd frozen. Frozen! Oh, oh, my God, there we go. <laughs> Uh, let's segue out of this segment into what we've been playing this week, because of course we're here to chat about board games and tabletop RPGs and all sorts of stuff that goes on a table, including a frozen mug, if you're Alex Meehan. Uh Let's start this week, and Alex Lowley's, let's start with you. What have you been playing recently? Well, as I've previously mentioned, I've been moving, so I haven't been playing a huge amount, but having said that, I've been playing some poker. Um Whoa. Yeah, with the the person I'm living with is uh, obsessed with poker, so um, uh, they decided to teach me. Well, I've I've played poker before, but I I always forget, and then also like it's poker, so I'm never really that like bothered about playing it. But they've taught me to the point where I keep beating them now, <laughs> and um, we started playing for money, like like literally pence, like five p or whatever oh, okay. at a time. Just so there's actual stakes, because every time they like made a bet, I was like, "Yeah, I'm calling it," because um, there was mm. nothing to lose. So now that there's something to lose, there's like actual like stakes involved, um, and uh, I keep beating them. So I've I've won three pound forty over like over five five games, five or six games, um, and they're getting very upset because this is like their favorite game, and they think they're really good at it. And I'm mm. like, <laughs> you could get it. like a whole packet of biscuits with that. Yeah, um. yeah, yeah. Like think about it. <laughs> It's um, impressive. So yeah, mostly just been playing that because it's like you know, deck of cards quite easy to to whip out um, on a small surface somewhere. Uh, I have actually just bought a new table that uh, we set up yesterday, and it's uh, one of those like round but it extends, and I'm very excited about Ooh. it because I'm finally going to be able to play like big games. Like I can finally <laughs> whip out my Gloomhaven, well, my Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion and stuff. Um, although mm. I think that's quite small anyway, isn't it? But anyway, I can whip out bigger games is what I'm trying to say, uh, <laughs> which I'm very excited about. Um, and mm. then I've mostly been playing Gloomhaven Digital also because I am very obsessed with it and it's very easy to play because I don't have to set up anything. And um, yes. it some of the, I've been doing some like quests recently. They've been very hard, like stupidly hard, like 
how is this even possible to beat her? <laughs> is there a campaign um, mode in there now, or is it still just kind of like standalone? Yeah, not yet. I think this year, maybe? Hopefully? Mm, um, they did announce it at some point. It's a news piece you can read on Noise. Yeah. I actually, funnily enough, me and you said that because I, I was like, I'm going to Google to see when it comes out. And I was reading this article and I was like, oh, it says like it's coming out this, uh, like the, they're doing the non-beta version this year. And then I was like, oh, that's so cool. And then I was checked the like URL. I was like, oh, I'm reading this on Dicebreaker. <laughs> um, it's always great. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to read the site you work for. Yeah. <laughs> I think we, I'm pretty sure I remember us discussing it last year on the podcast, but because um, it was like November last year that we discussed it I think mm. but um, yeah yeah so I'm very much looking forward to that because I think at the moment it, like I guess it's 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 very similar and they've done a really good job of like making it like the board game but it's um, I'm not sure how like well balanced it is and things like that and I'm kind of looking forward to the full version to see what it's actually going to be and hoping mm. that like the, the campaign mode is going to be lots of fun to play through mm. yeah. nice nice um, you talking about poker reminded me, um, Matt Jarvis. Hello. Do you know the lady who who presents Only Connect? Yeah. Um, uh, Corin some, Victoria Mitchell, Cohen Mitchell, right? That's the one. Yeah. Did you know she's like a poker and ex poker champion? Yeah. She... Like, it, it's wild. She she's like talked about how she would travel to like, you know, Las Vegas across the world and and play poker on like a really high professional level and then she just she just stopped she just decided oh, i don't want to do this anymore i'm gonna go and present television programs like game shows mm. but are you gonna are you gonna get like that lolies are you gonna become like a massive champion yeah yeah delighted to announce the next host of only connect is lolies yeah <laughs> yeah i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep training i'm gonna keep uh taking money off my off my housemate and uh <laughs> and um and then i'm gonna hit hit the hit the casinos in the area and then hit the, the area. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, i just keep working my way up the ladder like that um so yeah you'll hmm. you'll i mean i'll you know i'll be handing in my notice before long i'm i'm not i'm sure <laughs> please not uh two, two things first of all me and i like that you singled me out as the person that was yeah. most likely to know the host of only connect <laughs> yeah um, yeah no uh, I, I you are a, a library of of knowledge hmm. i mean it is on before university challenge so or after university challenge one yeah two. Uh, Ma- but... meg do you have any <laughs> <laughs> honestly that got me daydreaming because i don't know this person that i was like dang i should do that and like dress up in different costumes <laughs> and go into different casinos and just like clean house you know walk in and be yes! like oh, that'd be pretty good. can yeah. i just play with you guys and then Take the money. Yeah, they don't fake, suspect. Tearing off the fake mustache. Me and Alex just with... just wait because once we're together, we're gonna <laughs> get all the money. Hmm. Can we get like I... slow mo slow mos of us like walking into a casino hmm. like we're like gonna... slowly yeah. taking the sunglasses off and yeah yeah like the hair just like flicking my cigarette. The... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it gonna be like like Ocean Eleven? Yeah, yeah. Ocean's yeah. Two. <laughs> Yeah, it just takes two of us. Well, yeah, yeah there's already an Ocean's Eight with with Rihanna and and the like. Mm-hmm. You can be in the sequel to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it works out. I actually have a story related. I played poker at school, mm-hmm. um, and we used to play every lunchtime, and we also played for just like spare change. And I, I genuinely, I had never really played poker before. 
uh, and ended up winning about 15 quid in total Whoa. over like several months. As a kid, was, that is a substantial amount. I mean, amount. like yeah. teen, teen, like okay. uh, 14, 15, that kind of age. Uh, but it ended up getting shut down by the school because we were obviously gam- gambling for money. Uh, and yeah. the school is not a licensed gambling establishment. Uh, so there was the chance that the school could get in kind of major trouble. Uh, not least because there was a load of kids who are under the gambling age, um, but also because, you know, it wasn't licensed to have a poker ring uh, taking place. Uh, yeah, we're, we're planning to get like a proper poker thing with chips and everything. We're planning to nice. do that. I'm very poker excited chips about it. are so pleasing. They're just like yeah. one of the most pleasing objects. Like I watched a video. And... Yeah, I watched a video of um, like a, 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 a poker match what what do you call them a, a fight yeah, poker I don't match. Know. <laughs> a match <laughs> um, they threw the cards down and just baited each other but it was Full great house. because one of them was just like he was just sat like this like with his arms just like bracing the table the whole time just staring intently and the other guy he had two aces in his hand and there was an ace on the table so he had the match um and he just the whole time he was like clicking the poker chips mm. and i was like i would be doing mm. that as well like stacking cool. and clicking and i was like yeah i would be doing that it's, yeah. it's such a pleasing sound isn't it yeah Matt, i didn't know you had such a shady past <laughs> yeah well you know it's all coming uh, up now <laughs> But one thing I always wanted to learn was, uh, it's a very specific thing, but in Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, when Johnny Depp has the medallion and he runs it along the backs of his knuckles. I know exactly I the moment you several mean. weeks trying to learn that. It's <laughs> As really a child, difficult. that moment, trying to do it. Yeah, that's, but that's what I'd want to, like, if I got into the poker ring, that's what I'd, I'd want to be able to do, is just, like, run that around. Mm, uh, the, the problem is you'd focus so much on getting good at that. That you'd be mm, really yeah. bad at poker, so then you would just lose so much money. Yeah, poker's mostly luck, isn't it? It's just kind of you get Oof. dealt what you dealt, and then you're just trying to bluff. I'm a terrible bluffer because I'm an open book uh, and very like outwardly emotional and show every kind of emotion on my face. So I would be bad at that thing of poker. So I feel like I need the distraction, like I need something happening to the side mm. that distracts from people analyzing me, because it would be over very quickly. Have any of you guys played any competitive? card games because this makes me think when you're playing like i there's like a nervous tick that you do where like i've done this all Mm. the time where like you shuffle your cards a certain way i wish i had cards in front of me i don't but it's something that i do that i learned from like tcg playing and then when i started playing games with my husband like we would be playing gloomhaven and i would just start shuffling my cards like that really fast and like snapping them at him and i didn't realize (laughs) i was doing it and he was like i need you to stop because i need to think But, like, I didn't realize it, but it's probably, like, not great for the other players. But the, the things you can do with cards when you're nervous, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't I don't actually know if I have a tell. I should, like, because essentially everything, like, I'll just immediately start sweating. <laughs> being very nervous. So just it's not, like, a small tick. Just sweat just yeah, down your forehead. But I'm not sure if I've ever shuffled in a... I'd be interested. I wonder if it's something I do when I just don't realize it, like you say. Because until someone points out, you probably don't even think about yeah. doing it. yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't have a tell, but I probably definitely have a tell. I don't don't know what it is. I'm just notoriously bad at, like, shuffling cards. I don't know how to... I don't know Mm. how to do it. I just get a big chunk of cards (laughs) from the deck and just shove them, like, in between the other cards and just keep doing that. And then my my mother and I, uh, we would play some very classic card games, like Rummy and that sort of thing. 
and she would just watch me do it and just be shaking her head and tossing. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying my best, mother. My mom is really good. My mom is really good at shuffling cards. Mm. Like, I swear that she was like, I don't know, professional card shuffler <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> I I don't get it for I don't get it from her. I just I'm like I sh- I think my shuffling's all right. I think I do an okay job, but half the mm. time the cards like flip around mid shuffle or fall on the floor. Like I'm just a klutz. So. Yeah, or they just get stuck into each other. Like you think they should just slot together, but they just go. <laughs> like, I can do a very basic riffle shuffle, and I think that's about it. Uh, but yeah, I maybe me and your tale would be that suddenly you're very good at shuffling cards and you're just like <laughs> doing the magician thing of spraying them between your hands and I don't know. I think I mean like so for example when we're again playing card games as a family, um like my mother's tale is very clear because all she does is just complain about how bad her hand is. <laughs> and I'm like, you're kind of giving things away a little bit. <laughs> just a tad. Um Whereas, I don't know, I think my tail is probably giggling. Like, because I know I've got something that that's probably going to be really, really good or really mean or something. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I don't really I don't really know how to play poker. Like, the kind of card games I know how to play are like, um, yeah, like Rummy, Old Maid, which is called multiple things in oh, different yeah. countries. Um, it's just like a trick-taking game mm. that my mum taught me, that her mum taught her, and etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And, um, oh gosh, uh, I know the rude word for it, but, um, you know Poo the head. game I'm talking Poo about. Poohead, yeah. Poohead, yeah. <laughs> Classic, poohead, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Or Dino Dump, as it was released by Big Potato. But yep. it's it's basically poohead. And <laughs> yeah. it comes with stickers that smell like poo. Um, oh, they, sm- they mostly smell like garlic, but yeah. Mm, I <laughs> Supposedly. I, yeah. Yeah. I was, I think, uh, Loli, you're probably there because you were probably working for Big Potato at the time. I think it was just before I joined Dicebreaker. Yeah. Uh, but Big Potato had a, like an event, a media event with a bunch of people and I was playing Dino Dump and I don't have a sense of smell. Uh, I'm a Nosmic. Uh, so, and I was losing very badly at this game. So I was just getting these stickers put on me. And I almost felt the pressure of like going, oh no, oh, they smell so bad. Because <laughs> you just feel like you have to be like, oh yeah, like this, that, oh no, rather than just, oh, you've put a sticker on me and I can't, <laughs> I can't smell it. It's not an issue. Um, but You'd there we be go. very gracious. You were like trying to let other people know that what they were doing was making you feel bad. Yeah, gracious, so- well socially awkward, you know, whatever, whichever way you want to spin it, it's fine. Uh, Lolis, if that's all you've been playing that's all, just the two games that we've been <laughs> talking about for like a year <laughs> uh, Meg, let's move over to you, what have you been playing recently or what have you been enjoying Um, so last night I played another exit game, Um, I've played two oh, so far, so I had them sent to me so I've been playing them through like difficulty level and we did the abandoned cabin and <laughs> I'm a big baby we did great, we did it in 50 minutes but the music is so scary because you can play like the <laughs> and it's like scary cabin music and after we played my husband was like how did you like it and I was like I didn't like the music I was nervous the whole time it was very scary the puzzles were great um so I really like those we've been really enjoying them um we finally got to play Gloomhaven again this past weekend finally after like six weeks of not playing um I'm lucky that I live with my husband so we get to play a bit um and that's pretty much it uh 
I feel like we played something else on Monday, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, we played Tiny Epic Pirates. Oh, amazing. Uh, That's, is that one of the new ones? There have been so many Tiny Epic games at this point. It is. I, I've lost track And I honestly haven't played too many, so it wasn't so bad for me, but it was really cute. I really liked it. It was fun. It was very cool. Did it have pirate meeples? Is that one of the first Tiny Epic things? It do? does. They have, like, fun little mm. meeples. The meeples are... They're, I don't want to say they're okay. They are pirate ones. They're good. <laughs> um, but the ships are more fun. There's, like, little ships that it comes uh, with, nice. and you can, like, carry cargo around. So that, I think, was cute. I like it. That's cool. Yeah. Mm. Can you know. run them along the back of your fingers? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Just doing I little could certainly try it. <laughs> I've because I've I've played the exit games. I've never used the app. Yeah. Uh, is it is it just like a yeah. timer? Does it have the hints on? As it's well? a timer, oh, and then if you like, when you end, it'll do the stars for you. So like you can say if you uh, used nice. any clues and stuff, and and we didn't. Um, so it was basically like just our time, and it was like, oh, you did it under an hour, ten stars. Wow, that is nice. really good. Like I've played the exit games, so I didn't realize there was an yeah. app or anything mm. like that. So that's really cool. I didn't realize there was music and everything. And the first yeah, one we did was the sunken ship, and that one was cooler for the for uh. me, like for the audio, because it was like bubbles and like bloop 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 and being underwater. Uh. <laughs> and this one, it was like things like snapping behind you and creepy noises and things growling God. and scary. <laughs> <laughs> You... I think right. I think oh, I've done awesome. abandoned cabin. I think that's. I think I did. I've done three or four and abandoned cabin. I think I, I recognize it. the cover of it. Yeah, I like the mm. exit games a lot. I yeah. think they're really great. I prefer them to real like escape room games. Actually, a lot cheaper. Yeah. A lot cheaper, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and but... you get just spooky music. Mm. I've uh, yeah, I've like you. I'm like a big fan. I've not done Sunken Ship, so I mm. like. Would you recommend yeah. it compared to Cabin? I think Cabin was the first one they did. So oh, Sunken I'm Ship, Ca- Cabin. I would recommend Sunken Ship. Was okay. Mm. Uh, it okay. was okay. I think if you've played okay. other ones, it's not because it is the lightest. It's the easiest one. Mm-hmm. So I would say if you've played uh, others, okay. it's okay. If it's your introduction one, it's really good. That's the one I started with, but mm. I wouldn't go back now. Like if I played Cabin, I wouldn't. Okay. Think it was as fun. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You played the you... Star Wars ones, right? That. Uh, that's Wait. Unlock. Unlock Star Wars. Oh, I'm yeah. getting confused with Unlock now. Yeah. So okay. Unlock is the one that requires the app, mm. and I think like Unlock is good, but I think because so much of it is dependent on the app, you put in kind of like these uh, almost like pin codes, like four-digit pin codes, to unlock clues. You, it's like it it leans on that quite heavily so a lot of the puzzles you're solving are just like okay we've got two items do they go together put the number in the app that unlocks like the next card whereas i think the exit games um without giving too much away and i like say i've I've done kevin i've done a few of the others i don't know if this is true for sunken ship as well meg but like they use the physical components in a really interesting Mm -hmm. way where sometimes you're having to cut stuff Mm -hmm. up or like place things over each other there's one that involves like a a really kind of wild, inventive... Maybe that's not the exit games. There's a different escape box room game thing that involves like having to put stuff in a fridge, oh. uh, which is really <laughs> interesting and strange and just mm. kind of comes out of nowhere, like this really creative cool. thing. Yeah. The, so, exit, I, the exit games, yeah, utilize several different things like yeah. that. And like sometimes like the answers are potentially on the box. Yeah. I guess the trade-off, I guess the trade-off is like, with unlock, you can you can give it to someone else to play. Yeah. Mm. Whereas with the exit ones, because you're actively like shopping <clears throat> stuff up or whatever, yeah, you just play it once. But I suppose it's what you prefer. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I did with unlockers. Uh, I think this is only maybe this is only in the UK and Europe. I think in the US they sell them separately the unlocks, but in the UK they do like free to a box. Oh. Oh, um, right. So you'll okay. get like free like the Star Wars one is like one on half, one on Jeddah, one on an Imperial Star Destroyer. Mm. Um, and there are some others that are like there's one set in the World of Oz, like the Wizard of Oz, um, and another one that's like Sherlock Holmes. But yeah, you're right. It's like it's all of them are just a deck of cards and the app. So once you're done, like we just pass them on to a friend. But the exit game ones is like, oh, like guess we're recycling this. It's more like a. Like it a felt. Game. I remember when I did my first exit game, I had to like throw everything away. I was. It felt very weird because I was like, oh, yeah. just throwing a board game out. But I'd cut everything up and like written on stuff. So it was like. I guess it's, it's more like. It's more like an. It's more like an escape room experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That whereas like the the unlock games are more like a puzzle style yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And they're yeah. firing those out like at a velocity mm-hmm. you know, at extreme velocity. They're just like I swear the amount of news pieces I've done on new unlock games, like they're really going for it with those. Yeah. Uh, whereas I think with the ex- maybe it's because they take less time to make, whereas they're the exit ones, you know, there's more thought put into they're definitely been a number of exit ones there's a lord of the rings one coming up and i think actually there is a sequel to the cabin one i think it's literally called the return to the abandoned cabin yeah i think that's coming out in october time or later this year um that might just be a german release but yeah so it's i think they've definitely put out a number of them yeah the first one we played we thought about trying to like keep it intact and i was like halfway through i was like no no oh no good luck yeah (laughs) Yeah, I would guess. I guess you could, but it would be so yeah. much work that you just need to like copy out specific things onto a different piece of paper. So it's probably not worth the effort at some point. But mm. cool. Uh, it's also is it original Gloomhaven you're playing, or is it Jaws of the Original. Line? So nice. we started with regular. Um, that was a wedding present. So we started playing Gloomhaven late 2019. No, early 2019 quarantine and covid just like took a year out of life yeah. <laughs> now my timelines are crazy um but then when jaws of the lion came we started it a little bit and then we did like a 12 hour session through christmas because we were alone for Whoa. christmas um we played from like 1 p.m to 1 a.m and then had like two sessions after two like scenarios after that um and kind of like wow. ran through jaws of the lion so now we're back in gloomhaven trying to finish before Frosthaven, which i think we can do but we shall see Meg, Meg and Ooh. I also, or at least used to play the same character in Gloomhaven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I'm a big Enox person. Twinsies. Person. Yeah, I love the Enox as well. Them. I'm like, like, especially on the on the app, like on the digital version, it's great because you can quite easily like play some other characters and doesn't, you know, like try them out for size and stuff. And I'm always like, no, no one is as good as him. <laughs> he's, the, he's the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it made me love the hatchet from Jaws the Lion. I played the brute, okay. the hatchet, and then from the brute, I didn't do an unlocked character because we unlocked a lot of squishy people. So I let my husband pick someone squishy, and I took the Cragheart, and then now I'm in an unlocked character. I'm in the secret lightning bolt one, and she is right. perfect. Perfect. <laughs> it's great. Nice. I should go back to Gloomhaven. It's been a long time. I keep looking at the digital version. So good. And being like, yeah, maybe I should just get into that. Mate, we, I've still got that copy of Jaws of the Lion. I've not opened it. And you know why? Because we still not finished Pandemic Legacy season. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we probably won't finish it before my flatmate moves out. Oh. You'll have to play over webcam. It's fine. Um, she, she's not going too far, so she can always come around. 
Alright, uh, Meg, is that everything you've been playing? Anything else? Yeah, pretty much. The past week or so. Alright, uh, Alex, me and let's move over to you. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really boring this week. Uh, back to a boring week again. Playing the same stuff that I've sort of talked about before. So, we played Root mm. last we week. Love Root. Oh yeah, that was my first game of Root. Ever? Yeah. Wow. On stream. Jumping it, yeah, jumping in on a stream, learning as you go. You played, you played really, really well for a a super complex game. Trial by fire. You did really, really well. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was a lot. I remember, like the the two of these play a a good bit, and they were like explaining the game to me, and I was sat there like, this, this sounds like nonsense. This just doesn't what. And then yeah, you just I I usually learn by playing anyway, so um. Yeah, I played. What was what's my what was the play? Vagabond. Vagabond. So fun. I was gonna say scoundrel, but that's the character from Gloomhaven. <laughs> so um, yeah, I was playing the vagabond. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I I really yeah. liked it, but um, I I'd need to play it a good few times to have a go at different characters and to get used to the vagabond. Even I think I'd need a few games just to get my head around that even more. But that was great. That was really fun. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I think it is. It's the I think it's the the worst thing about Root, which is a game I love very much, is just the amount of investment you need to pour into it, which I think the app helps with but doesn't eliminate. No. Because like even if you're even if you're just playing the vagabond, like playing well often involves like knowing how all the other factions function, so you kind of have to learn four games before you're in with a shot of winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like if you're up against people who have played a long time and know how they all function, they just have a much better idea. But like I say, I was I was genuinely like uh, super impressed by like you played really really well like your score was really high for a first time through playing a faction that is like I think the simplest in terms of rules but not the simplest in terms of how you get towards victory mm-hmm. because you often have a lot more kind of things to consider whereas the others mm-hmm. are just like churn out birds churn out cats like build some stuff. Uh, I mean also. Is a lot tougher. You had the added handicap of having to play against Matt Jarvis, which is like, <laughs> it's yeah, it's his own form of challenge, because for some reason you've been blessed by the gods <laughs> with the innate ability to just absolutely steamroll over everyone else, regardless of what faction you're playing. Yeah. Like at first we were like, oh, it's just because he's playing the Alliance. It's fine. This always happens. But then it was like, oh, you played the Airy, which was the faction I just played in absolute stank at. <laughs> yeah. And then you just came along and were like, yeah, I won. <laughs> Fine. Spoilers. <laughs> I got very lucky with the Alliance, particularly. I drew cards oh, yeah. very early on where I was able to, to get bases out and, and start training. Which I think, again, is, Root is not a perfect game, like, but I think it is, it's a great game, but it definitely has elements of you can just get you just get lucky like all like many many games like i just drew very good cards at the start mm. um and then was kind of off on a on a head start so it's yeah. the kind of game that i get really salty about <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't tell <laughs> you hit it really really well but also like i still really love it so like i'll be angry for a bit and be like mm, this is the worst but then i'll be like but i also love you so much Rue. Like, <laughs> i'll take you back baby it's fine um no like i i i always enjoy playing that game and we do eventually want to do the river folk expansion which was released for the digital version um uh, which we're very excited about uh, apparently the lizards are even worse mm. than than the woodland alliance 
So, uh, yeah, I'm going to see what that's all about. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I also played some more Unmatched. Uh, we finished our second game with that, uh, with the other two characters in the the set that we have, which is like the season one one. Uh, and, like, I would definitely say those other two characters. So we first played with Alice and Medusa, and then the second game we played with Arthur and Sinbad. And I kind of feel like Alice and Medusa are better. Like, they're all really good, but, um, like, I think those two kind of work a bit better or, like, have a bit more interesting things going on with them. But we we played that game, and, like, my flatmate and I are really enamoured with unmatched so now i'm like i want to try the other ones that they put out i want to see what the really you know like redonkulous ones are like like the jurassic park one and the buffy one uh and or like the the smoke and is it cobble and cobble and fog something like that yeah there's like a sherlock holmes like like invisible man sort of thing because i'm really into gothic stuff so that's like oh i uh, love that thing um so yeah uh yeah mondo and uh and um oh my gosh help me out here matt restoration the other one, games restoration games if you're listening to this send me more of my stuff <laughs> <laughs> i want it uh i will talk about it <laughs> yeah i'd like to i'd like to play a match it yeah it seems Fun. I can see why Alice and Medusa, like on paper, because it's King Arthur and Sinbad, you said, right? Yeah. It's like they are, in my mind, they're just kind of swingy sword, like walk up and chop stuff. Whereas Medusa and Alice seem more fun in terms of the, yeah. the inspiration. So the kind of main mechanics with Arthur and Sinbad are, Arthur's kind of, yeah, like you'd think, he's a full on aggressive, like he can boost his attacks every time. Whereas, like, other characters will need to play certain cards that allow them to boost their attacks. But Arthur can boost any of his attacks whenever he wants. But the interesting thing is that his deck is definitely more designed around around aggression than defense. So he has much fewer, like, far fewer defensive cards. Uh, so he's kind of more designed around just going full in and, like, trying to take you down uh, as quickly as he can before he gets knocked out. Whereas, like, Merlin as his sidekick is kind of where a lot of more of his strategic stuff comes in. Um, whereas Sinbad has an interesting mechanic where he has particular cards called Voyage cards, which are actually based on the different adventures he's he has in, like, the... Oh, is it 1001 Nights, I think, he's featured in as, yeah. a, as a book? Uh, so they're all based on his adventures in that book. But the more voyage cards you have in your discard pile, the more spaces he can move. So oh, he's all about he's all about movement across the board because he's a lot squishier than Arthur, for example, in our game, and he d- he can't put out as much damage. But he's a lot he's got much more potential for movement. So like Arthur's a lot slower. So it's kind of like using your advantages to kind of overcome the challenges that the other character presents i would be really interested to see how a full-on four-player game would work like in terms of the ba- the way the characters are balanced but in terms of the two-player games like it is really interesting at no point did we feel like oh this character is clearly better than the other one it's more just like how we preferred to 
to play. I will say, like, I feel like Sinbad has a lot more luck involved because when I was playing as 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 them, like, I just wasn't drawing any voyage cards, so it meant that I couldn't use his ability until I had those cards, like, and I could actually play them. Uh, but I still won, so it's not like a complete, you know, uh, handicap. But um, yeah, our match is really good. We played some more Keyforge, Matt. Again, we did. Yeah. The the week of salt continued <laughs> um, from Ticket to Ride, which we also played, um, Root, and then Keyforge uh, because I played against you and it was the worst, uh, <laughs> and uh, I got really mad. Because at one point I was literally facing a board of like just teeming with with minions that you put out, uh, and it was it just got to the point where I I basically conceded because there was, it was really rough. That it was, was rough. there was honestly it's not like it was not like I rage quit I was salty but it was more like I literally cannot see any way like through this because you're playing a sanctum which is like basically the house that's all about just setting up of armor like a wall mm. of armor uh and you had characters that basically i think they gave that they they took um they they captured ember from me um they had so much armor that i would have to try and get something out there to kill them otherwise i just wouldn't be able to because like keyforge is interesting the fact that it's not about defeating your opponent it's about about forging keys which means that it's not necessarily the end of the world if your opponent's got some really strong minions because you can find ways around that but because his minions could capture any ember i had it meant that if i couldn't defeat them i'm basically like i'm never gonna forge keys mm. never gonna have enough ember so it just was the face of the fact that yeah, I think I had a creature as well that increased the amount of ember you needed to forge the key. Yeah. And that was in the middle of the row. So, like, key forge is very... You play on flanks of the yeah. row of cards, and cards can have effects on the cards in between them. So I had that flanked by, I think, two cards that then boosted its health. So it was basically impenetrable to kill it, but it made forging keys so hard for you. Um, yeah, that was a, it was a rough run. I then... We, so we were playing with Chase as well, our yeah. lovely news reporter. I beat Chase. Um, you did beat Chase, yes. And then Chase, Chase and I played a game where we accidentally ended up with mirror decks because um, we were playing on the Crucible, which is like an online version. So really normally good. only really one good. copy of every deck, yeah. Um, but that match went on for over an hour uh, because <laughs> we basically just kept pulling the same cards and it was just a case of I'd fill stuff up, he would wipe the board, he'd fill stuff up, I'd wipe the board and we kind of went in circles and it took an hour for me to eventually pull ahead <laughs> with just kind of lucky card draw. So yeah, that was, it was an interesting one uh, after, after I don't think the, as well. I mean, you've got to remember Keyforge isn't designed to be played like that. No. Like everyone is supposed to have their own unique deck. So the fact that it was like that is just a, a fault of the, the, uh, the weird, like, because Chase and I got the same deck as well. Like, it was we were picking randomly, but, like, for some reason we both chose the same deck. And uh, it's just the, the weird case of you picking the same deck as Chase. Uh, but, yeah, I just left partway through the game because I was like, this isn't going Yeah, it went anywhere. on for a while. <laughs> but, yeah, that's what I've been playing, Matt Jarvis. What about you? Uh, well, as, as well as Ticket to Ride, which we played, and you can watch the video of. Um, Please watch and- the video. And as well as Fruit, mm-hmm. which you can watch the video of. Um, 
and Keyforge, which we just spoke about. I played a bit of Magic the Gathering Commander on mm-hmm. Monday, the bank holiday. I played, uh, played with a friend of the site, Jason Coles. Uh, I had never played Commander before. Jason is a huge fan of it. He's written a number of very good guides, which I used um, to teach myself, which you can see on the website. But for those who aren't familiar, Commander's like, it's kind of like super-sized magic. So instead of like 60 card, instead of a 60 card deck, you have, is it 60 or 40? I guess you can change the amount. But anyway, instead of a regular magic deck, you have 100 cards. Um, You, instead of 20 life, you have 40 life. Uh, and you can only have one copy of each card in your deck, and those cards have to match what's known as the color identity of your commander, which is a legendary creature, uh, and the color identity basically means they need to match the mana colors that you would spend to play that card normally. Mm. Uh, and that card sits separate, so it's like a, it is like a leader, and you can summon it onto the battlefield at any time. Um, and when it's defeated, it kind of withdraws, but you can then bring it out at a more expensive cost each time. But the fun thing with commander, so Jason very kindly built uh, a couple of decks for me to use because I don't know how to build a magic deck <laughs> despite the fact there's a very useful guide on dicebreaker.com but but building a commander deck is quite a specific thing You like with magic decks you build around certain ideas or gameplay um, concepts so we were we were using decks and the, the first match I managed to win by inflicting poison counters on Jason so um, it wasn't even a case of kind of reducing his life once you get to 10 poison counters that's it you lose um and i had a card that allowed me to place two for every creature i attacked with so at one point i just managed to place like six poison tokens um on him and just win um and having never played commander before one of the really fascinating things about it is that because you have so much life and because you have so many cards uh and you only have one of each it just gives you room to pull off these kind of bizarre combinations um, because you have a bit more time, you have more rounds, you have more cards, you're not going to run out of cards, which normally in Magic you'd lose if you run out of cards. Um, so Jason at one point uh, pulled uh, an enchantment that summoned a creature called a Fractal. Uh, and every at the end of every turn um, during the upkeep phase, he would be able to spawn a new Fractal and it would essentially double its power and toughness, which is attack and health um, in Linda's terms. So it went from 2-2 two, two to 4-4 four, four, to 8-8 eight, eight, to 16-16 to 32-32, 64-64. So it was enough to just wipe me in one attack. So it became this thing of me trying to uh, knock back these creatures so that he couldn't get in an attack. But because it spawned, I couldn't get rid of the enchantment because I didn't have any spells that would get rid of it. So I was just trying to kill them. But then they were coming back at twice the power every time. Um so yeah, it was really fascinating. He he wiped the floor with me that time. He also wiped the floor with me the time afterwards using a different... Uh, he maybe poison countered me. It was another one where it was, he didn't reduce my life to zero. Uh, there was kind of a different way of getting around it. Uh, but it was really interesting. Commander, I, from what I understand, is hugely popular. Like I know that it is the preferred format, I think, of Jason uh, and a lot of other people. It's not on Magic Arena, so we were actually playing on Tabletop Simulator... Uh, using a very good mod that allows you to import decks, um, uh, it was it was really interesting. I really enjoyed my time with it. I think you can you can play multiplayer as well, so you can play four people, um, which also works with with kind of the amount of health and cards that you have. Uh, 
Meg, are you, wild, yeah, Meg, you, you're not. Are you familiar yeah. with Commander? <laughs> nice. I know. I've played Commander. <laughs> I've played Magic. I never, I never really got into it enough to make my own decks. Because the other thing you can do is draft, and I used to draft all the time mm. because you would pay and then get those cards, and then you could win more cards. Um, but Commander is really fun. That I think too. Gosh, I'm, if I'm wrong, don't tell me anyone. <laughs> but I think for Commander, you can go a lot further back than Standard. Like, when you play normal competitive, you can only go so far back. Whereas Commander, I think you can get, like, you can use almost any card. I, I'm sure there are some yeah, that are banned right. and stuff, yeah, yeah. but I think that's why it's more fun, too, because you can get, like, some of the wackadoo cards. And I don't know if, like, Unhinged, if that set can be in it, or, like, Modern Masters, but, like, I can just imagine the cards you can use together with it. Yeah, I think that that was also one of the things is, like I say, Jason built these decks. So we were pulling cards from like Strixhaven yeah. and Kaldheim, the latest decks, and then there would be something from like 1996. Yeah. It's like <laughs> a card I've never card. come across before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was kind of like this really interesting showcase of what magic can do kind of at its extremes, um, like just giving that much more room to, to pull off these kind of wild combos. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. I would... Uh, uh, I think you can play it on Magic Online, but I don't think it's in Magic Arena just yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Commander Commander is a very cool thing. And the other fun um, fact that I think I'm pretty sure Magic you need a 60 card deck plus. I think you could play with a hundred card deck yeah, in regular right, Magic. Right. Even I, th- I think you can bring as many as you want. You just have to have at least 60, which is crazy. Mm. But yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> why wouldn't you just have an enormous deck so you never? Because it, it it kind of uh, like dilutes it too. That if you if you have like four mm. copies of a card, if you have a hundred cards, then the odds of you getting it are less than if you only have the sixty. You want you want the combos, but I'm pretty sure in Pokemon. So, I know in Pokemon, you it's a hard sixty. Like you have to stop there. Yeah, like most card games that I've played is like a hard number. Mm-hmm. Like this is the amount of cards you can have. So magic you know it's magic magic yeah it's uh it's cool uh the other things i've been playing like i say play root play keyforge uh play ticket to ride they're all great continue to love them uh i played oaf as well speaking of root Mm. so oaf is the new game from cole worley of root fame uh we've played it on the channel you can see me lolies and wheels playing with cole worley um but (laughs) bless you uh i played again so in, in kind of very basic terms, Oath is a fascinating game um, because it is, it's about an, a kingdom, like a land. Um, the cards you play on the board are like sight cards and the inhabitants of this land. And one person always starts as the ruler of the land. They start as the chancellor. And everyone else generally is an exile. So they're trying to get the throne and the chancellor is trying to maintain power. Um But it boils down into this kind of strategic game where you can win through various different methods. But the way that you win and who you are when you win and the cards you use to win then affect the next game that you play. So it's kind of like a legacy game, except that you never tear anything up. You never write on anything. It's not they're not permanent changes. But what it does is it changes the setup for the next game. So uh, my wife and I played. uh, I started as the chancellor. Um, and I started out with control of the land, so I had the most kind of like war bands on things. I had kind of you know dominance power, that kind of thing. And my that was kind of what I was aiming for because after a certain amount of rounds, the chancellor kind of wins by default um, mm-hmm. if they hold on to the most land. But uh, my wife was able to complete a different objective called the darkest secret. 
which kind of represents this idea of like intrigue rather than military might. So she didn't control any sites like military wise. Um, I was just kind of scrapping over those myself. But she was building up secrets, which are this kind of resource uh, which represent you know, secrets um, and information. And she was able to hold on to that. And at some point, by the time I tried to then come after her for it, uh, she had built up so many secrets that she just was able to hold it um, wow. to the point where she then won. But because she had won by holding the secret, uh, she didn't have any kind of military control over places. And so when you're packing up, you kind of reset the world. And the way, like I say, the way that you win can affect the cards that you use for the next turn. So because she didn't control any sites, kind of everything went away which kind of represented the fact that, you know, my kingdom just got devastated and kind of wiped out. So all the places that I had held were gone. Um, and she was almost building a kingdom from the ground up. She was this kind of upstart exile that had built up these secrets in intrigue, but didn't need to use the military might. Um, and uh, I hadn't formed... You can kind of form alliances, so you can turn exiles into citizens um, as the chancellor. And but they can then overthrow you by completing a different objective, or they can kind of um, you know, and that can then affect how things work as well because they might just be like cast out by a different ruler. Um, I'm probably making this sound much more complicated than it is. It's strangely, it's it's a lot more simple than root to grasp because you're not using like drastically sound so different rules. Yeah, no. Most people are using kind of the same basic actions, which is like you move different places, you play different cards, you have advisors, um, you know, you trade for things, you trade for secrets, you trade for money. But the thing that I think is really fascinating about it is it is, I mean, it looks amazing because it's by Carl Ferrin, the roots by Carl Ferrin of Root. Uh, and it on on paper, on the table, it seems quite dry because what you're doing is kind of this abstracted like, I'm going here, I'm trading for favour, I'm trading for secrets. It's yeah. relatively kind of like broad. There's no like story text or flavour text. But actually, um, as you play, it kind of just creates these stories among the group themselves. So like I say, like the story that ended up in our group was that my wife was kind of like the exile and built up all this intrigue and didn't need to fight for power. Kind of like swept underneath with like more of a you know, whispering secrets and, and undermining things that way, rather than just crushing things with, like, a big army. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really fascinating. I was chatting to Johnny as well, uh, Johnny, formerly of Dicebreaker, um, because he has also been playing Oath, and he had a completely different story um, where I think he was overthrown. He was, I think he was Chancellor, and someone was what's known as, like, the successor to the Chancellor. Mm. Um, and he was overthrown that way. So, like, his game will be completely different Despite the fact that we both started out with similar setups for the first game, like his world the next time he plays will be completely different to the world when we play. Um, which I think is, yeah, it's it's a really fascinating game. Yeah, it um, sounds like they, they've started with a very, a very simple system of like trading things to get resources, like, yeah, like uh, playing cards, moving places. But the way that they've made it really feel unique or like complex is through that mechanic of like depending on how how a game is won or how a game is finished the next game will then be like altered by that i think that's that's a really good way of doing game design it's Mm -hmm. like rather than 
rather than having a complicated system and doing all that stuff as well, which I think would make it like, well, this is this is way too much. Like having that that built on top of a fairly straightforward system, I think is definitely a really clever way of doing it because then it's making the unique elements of it really shine above all else. Yeah. So I'm I'm re- I think we're gonna play this weekend. <laughs> yes, with the with the root yeah. crew. Because uh, I'm hoping to review it at some point, so I'm going to try and get in as many games as possible. Yeah, um, so uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what it's like. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely like I say, there are there are elements I can compare to other games because, like at its heart, you move around, you get money, you pay for stuff, you do mm. fights. But then it's kind of the surrounding stuff that is so fascinating about it, where it takes this, like I think Cole has described it as like a board game with a memory. And it mm. is kind of that. Like it just, you can play it forever. It never runs out, but it just has different cards each time. And it evolves, like you don't have to play with the same group. But if someone new joins, they will kind of see the effect of past games that you've mm. played. Like not explicitly, but it will change in reaction to what people do and, and how people win. So it's a, re- it's a really fascinating game. Um, yeah, it's, it's cool. I'm looking forward to playing more of it. Uh, although I did, I started looking at the rules for the the Clockwork Prince, which is like the automated player, uh, and my mind started to bet. There's like this massive flowchart on a reference sheet. <laughs> it's like, okay, if this is true, go to this one, and then you're in this segment, so do this. I think uh, it it should be simpler than it appears. I think you just move a, a thing around each turn. It's not like you have to digest it all at once. But it was quite a lot to look at and go, oh wow, okay. <laughs> Um, but I hope to give it a proper look. All right, let's move on over to news, a shorter news segment than usual. Uh, oh, it's, it's of... ultra news. The chop is going at <laughs> like... Turbo news. Uh, turbo speed. <laughs> <laughs> just the highlights of this week. Trim down for your listening pleasure. Matt Jarvis, um, help. De- Dennis Hopper is threatening me. If I don't go at this speed, he's going he's gonna to blow up the chopper. You need to, you need to help me, Matt. Uh, I assume that's a reference speed. I don't really know speed. Den- my go-to Dennis Hopper movie is like Blue Velvet, so uh, which is a very different film from. Not, not Super Mario Brothers. No, I've never seen the Super Mario Brothers film, and I never will. No, come on. Uh, I do kind of want to watch that new Mortal Kombat movie for what it's worth, even though I hear it's not great. Yeah, uh, it's also like sixteen quid to rent it in the UK. I was reading uh, Wes's piece over on Eurogamer, and it's like sixteen. 16 quid to rent a film is... That's a rip-off, mate. That's quite a lot of money. Especially well, when you it's... pay in the cinema. That's the thing, right? It's like cinema, they've got floor space, they've got staff, and like films are not cheap to make, but like £16 for a digital rent seems quite a lot of money. But Just... there we go. That's <laughs> capitalism for you. Just watch uh... the original one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's probably free, I would guess, yeah. or very cheap to rent. You get to see Goro in a rubber suit. Uh, I'm sold, mate. I'm... You get to see that incredible clip where someone is like and now you die uh it's fine <laughs> it's fine that didn't land let's move yeah. on to news uh <laughs> sorry that it's that's in if anything that was fitting for the terrible <laughs> delivery of it in the film uh, so i'll roll with it uh i wrote this short story uh about this tabletop rpg in spirals um i'm not sure how to pronounce it it's kind of like inspire meets isles um, I've never said it out loud. In spirals is what I'm going for. Uh, but the the really interesting thing about this, which is why I wrote it up, um, is that it's a tabletop RPG that is kind of designed to teach you sign language as you play. Um, so it's by Richard Oxenham, 
um, who has worked with um, a deaf charity for over 10 years uh, and was kind of inspired by playing D&D um, with a group of deaf teenagers, uh, I think over near Bristol. Um, so in Spirals, it, it takes place in kind of like an Arthurian, Celtic-inspired fancy land. Um, and it, it does use dice, so you roll 3d6 um, to resolve certain tests. But sign language exists in the land as, I think they call it shaping. So mm-hmm. it's kind of what people use to cast spells. Um, so it comes with kind of a reference sheet, uh, both for like uh, BSL, so British Sign Language, and ASL, American Sign Language. Um, and so the players are kind of encouraged to use sign language to cast spells and to solve puzzles and so on. Um, which I just thought was, I really wanted to highlight because I have not come across another tabletop RPG um, that kind of has representation of deaf culture in this way and, and particularly uses sign language uh, as a gameplay element. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of lovely to see, like you don't, you know, anyone can play it. Like it's not the case that you need to know sign language off the bat like if anything it's there to teach people but also if you already know sign language then you can play it and just enjoy it as an rpg that involves sign language as well um Mm. so yeah i think it was kickstarted last year um and it's coming out next month uh i think you can head over to the itch page uh to i think there is a like a preview or a quick start but you can also uh, get the full thing when it comes out so yeah i just wanted to to highlight it's a really cool thing it's really awesome yeah Yeah. Yeah. also the art's really nice yeah it's very cool that that there's people making more stuff like that, and I think that's like this when we when we've discussed like uh, big companies using Kickstarter, for example, and like how we're like not massively fans of it or whatever. Mm. Like this is exactly why it's it's because for me Kickstarter is a place that allows people like this to be able to make projects like this that like mm. big companies might not necessarily take on uh, or big publishers or whatever. Um, and yeah, this is awesome. This is exactly the kind of thing in like in how Kickstarter also has kind of helped the like the board game industry like just become more interesting in like the games it brings out and the representation um, that it represents. Uh, <laughs> it's um, I I actually really really want to get a copy of this and um, yeah, I, because I've always wanted to learn sign language actually. So it's for me this is like this is really cool. Yeah. yeah um a few weeks ago i was chatting to uh a lady who works for like a a, um, a deafblind kind of charity and she has um she has a hearing impairment and so do i so we were kind of talking about that kind of shared experience she was like oh you should you should learn some sign language i think it it would be really useful for you and I was like, you know what? I really should because ultimately, like, I don't know what my future is going to be like, but it would be, it, it I think it would be a useful thing. Um, mm-hmm. So having this kind of RPG is like really interesting in in that regard. I think, it, yeah, like I I don't know why more role playing games don't like try and teach you actual skills mm-hmm. because like with some board games, for example. Like learning how to play them can like teach you skills like, yeah, like like deduction or like, yeah, like strategy or, or um, you know things even dexterity to to an extent. Uh, whereas like role playing games, obviously they're more about exploring kind of narrative and I guess you could learn social skills or like um, skills of empathy or, or, or storytelling things like that. 
but it, it would be interesting to see more role-playing games that do like actively teach you how to do things wasn't mm. there were a role-playing game about cooking where you like actually cooked hmm. some some of the dishes in it i'm trying to yeah. remember what that was cool it was i can't remember the name of it but yeah that absolutely does exist yeah that's yeah. like a really cool fun not something you'd be able to do too often but mm. And also worth noting that this is by someone who, you know, is deeply embedded in the deaf community and uh, yeah. I believe worked with deaf consultants as well on the shaping mm-hmm. um, concept in that, and there are video tutorials and things like that. So it's not kind of right. like, yeah. yeah, it's not just kind of like an add on to an existing game system or a character that is deaf but isn't represented any further than that. You know, this, it's clearly been built with like the deaf community and, and culture in mind mm. um, in a way that's insensitive. Cool. Uh, since I think that's really so, cool. Yeah. And I think, too, for it to be, like, the magic that is the casting, like, yeah, you're trying to teach this to people, but also to those that, you know, are deaf and hard of hearing and have to be the ones using it, like, you're almost putting them, you know, in the place of power, where it's like, okay, well, you mm. can, you know how to do all the magic, and, and they can mm. kind of, you know, it's cool that it, it gives them, you know, almost like a boost as well. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. For sure. Agreed. All right. Uh, the other story I wanted to pull this week to highlight, uh, one by Chase, uh, who's Chase. mentioned, our wonderful reporter, is Stationfall. Um, and the reason I pulled this is it's kind of like Among Us as a board game. Um, of course, like there are plenty of board games that are kind of like Among Us, yeah, like I Werewolf mean, and yeah. so on, like Social Deduction isn't... Among Us is basically uh, yeah, a board it's not, game, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not uncommon. But this, I think, is particularly interesting because it um, it kind of takes that it's more direct as a kind of thing. They've they've cited Among Us as kind of being, um, or this being similar to Among Us. Uh, so it takes place on board a space station. Um, but the interesting thing is that there's not just one imposter or one traitor, but everyone kind of has their own ulterior motives and objectives. Okay. So it's kind of like a social deduction game in which everyone is a potential traitor and like, everyone's out uh, for their own good. A bit like Dead of Winter in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just straight up. You are trying to make things bad. It's more like you are you want to achieve this goal, otherwise you you lose. So mm. yeah, so it sounds really interesting. So the the concept is that you're on this space station. I think it's falling to Earth, and you've got 15 minutes uh, before it burns up, and you need to kind of get off. Um, but you have various identities. Um, I think one starts revealed, but then the others you can choose to keep hidden. Um, so you're trying to work out what people are after. Um, but it, it sounds quite complex. There's quite a lot going on. So it's not just kind of like a reskinned werewolf or a reskinned dead of winter. Um, there's actually quite a lot to, to consider. But it's I'm just finding information about it. So it's currently on Kickstarter until mm. May 16th. Um, and you can pick it up for about 50 quid. And then it's coming out later this year. But it looks interesting. It sounds kind of cool. Yeah, I think, yeah, uh, Among Us is a game that a lot of people like some folks it didn't chime with um but i think social deduction games are pretty hot at the moment uh, yeah i mean they've always us, and hot. yeah and yeah and like and so on i think it's because they're so so purely social that a lot of people who maybe don't play a lot of board games are drawn to them because like it's yeah it's not about sitting at a table and moving pieces around really it's more about sort of interacting but um i know i really i'm really enjoying board games that that implement social deduction or hidden role you know elements into them Mm. because you know you know as someone who's who's played quite a lot of board games now a lot of social deduction games kind of feel very 
very simple, mm. which is obviously a massive part of their appeal, but to me it's kind of like not really enough. Um, unless we are just doing an evening of silly party games or whatever. But um, having games that kind of implement social deduction within a larger space, like um, Hong Kong, uh, like Deception Murder in Hong Kong, like that has social like deduction or like someone is the killer, but there's also it's also wrapped up in like a whole other, you know, um, finding clues and making mm. sure that you 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 interact properly with people so you don't accidentally reveal like the witnesses identities and stuff like that it's like we've already had a lot of very basic social deduction games let's see what else we can do with with this formula yeah exactly and like combining it with other kind of gameplay things where it's like managing an economy or kind of doing the deeper I mean, strategic stuff but you also happen to have a secret among us among us is a little bit like that in the sense that you have like the mini games and the, and the stuff like that. Yeah, you have to go do terrible mini games, and then you get to talk about it afterwards. Oh, this is hot takes are seeping in. <laughs> um, but then you obviously have the discussion elements. But like, obviously, to you know, to to us maybe who we've played like some more complex versions of that, it can seem very simplistic. But like, hey, if this brings more people from among us to to like tabletop then mm. like we are far from from snobby <laughs> yeah i think I've it's only... only it's only a good thing right it's getting more people into into board games yeah whatever whatever route they like they find in so yeah i'm only ever snobby when it comes to things matt jarvis and that is beans that is beans <laughs> <laughs> look forward to the f- 57 top the varieties, <laughs> variety of beans. Yeah, there's gonna be some real. You're gonna. I'm gonna kill my darlings in this one. Uh, uh, no, it, it's bread, and it's coffee, and uh, I'm not skimping on those two things. I'm afraid it's gotta be good. Um, yeah, there you go. Everything else, I'm an absolute trash bag. So okay, I, I have to ask now. What's like what what is being snob like quote unquote snobby about bread? What does that mean? Okay, like... so I refuse to buy supermarket brand like bread because it is disgust disgusting. Uh, so like co-op, like medium slice, whatever. I won't touch it because it's 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 foul. But like, it's got to be at least Warburton's, or or like one of the in-house bakery things. But you got to make sure you eat that stuff within two days, otherwise it's not. This is the most bougie <laughs> thing I've ever heard. <laughs> well, you know, you have to get the over-the-counter stuff, but you have to finish it. No, no. <laughs> As someone who is very passionate about bread-based products, I just feel if you, you know. Again, obviously, I'm not dunking on people who can't, like, afford stuff. This isn't the purpose. Like, I'm just saying that, you know, when you get you pay a bit more, you get a lot out of it. And it's the same with, with coffee. I won't drink freeze-dried coffee because it's, it's, <laughs> it's awful. It's like, it's like dirt. I'm not doing it. It's got to be wow. ground. It's got to be ground coffee. There you go. I've just well, probably made a lot of people angry. So who would have thought? Everything else, I don't care. Like, yeah. 
all right then uh, freeze dried <laughs> coffee's fine i've got like i've got preferences like anybody else but it just like, it the, the taste just lingers very unpleasantly on the palate for the next six hours freeze dried coffee <laughs> yes like what does that mean Oh, okay. So, like, granulated coffee. Like, the, so like, like in- stuff... instant coffee? Yeah, instant, instant coffee. coffee. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that was freeze-dried. So, like... <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's another word for it. But, like, the stuff you just ladle into a cup. Yeah. And then you pour water over it. And it's like it's like an insult to coffee, in my, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> All right, then. Well, <laughs> there you go. Uh... I agree. I like regular Anything coffee. To... Mm. Look again. I'm not Always. dunking on anyone. I'm just saying. In my world, it's not acceptable. This is where we get onto the whole: do you put the milk in first, or the tea bag, or? Oh no! We, let's not open that can of worms. Kettle of fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, those are the the main news stories I pulled. I've pulled some other highlights that I'll just run through quickly, which you can find on dicebreaker.com. Uh, we've got Richard Jensen Parks has written a review of the Dune RPG. Adventures in the Imperium, which sounds mm. interesting. It sounds very dense and very complex, much like the book. Um, <laughs> but it sounds like if you're into the book, uh, that might it. It sounds yeah, pretty faithful like, to that big old you, universe. If you like spies, mm. yeah, like more ways than one. If you like massive sandworms, um, <laughs> Alex Mean has written a guide on how to host a great game night. Uh, when you can do that again, the key is um, good bread and coffee. Mm, yeah, that's that's points one through two, and there are only two points on that list. Um, it's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> we've got stories about Harsh Shadows, which is like a solo espionage game. We've got Broken Compass, which is kind of like an adventure RPG, which draws from Indiana Jones and Tomb Raider. We've got Galactic, uh, the second edition of Galactic, which is an RPG that's kind of in the vein of Star Wars. Uh, and we've got Jason Coles, uh, who I mentioned earlier, writing about Pack Wars in Magic the Gathering, <gasps> which sounds like a format I want to try because you just get some land cards, you get one booster pack, you never look at it, you just shuffle it all together, and that's that. <laughs> that's your deck. It sounds very fun and very silly and quite broken in a fun way. Uh, but let's move on to the emails section. Uh, if you've got an email, <laughs> you did a little pun. I flinched. I flinched because I thought it was coming. It's like, oh no, the emails. Um, uh, if you've got an email for the Dicebreaker podcast, you can email podcast at dicebreaker.com. Mm. That's podcast at dicebreaker.com. Lolies, would you like to read this one from Will? Please. Sure. Will says. Podcast question that just came to me. What is a non-gateway game that you're always excited to share with people new to the hobby? The once you're comfortable with games, I can't wait to play this with you game. For me, it's probably Wingspan. Hmm, thanks, Will. Yeah, thank you. There's definitely some like that. I need to, I need to, I'm going to need a minute to think. Yeah, non-gateway, I think it's like a... Because I think like gateway by definition is hard to judge, right? Because it, it's it's different for different people. Like what's what's an introductory game? Mm. Um, I think there are there are things like I mean, Twilight Imperium is like massive and complex, but it's those kinds of games that I get really excited. Or something like Root, mm-hmm. where it's like here's yeah. a game that kind of does it's so big and sprawling and complex, like that you would never choose it as like oh you're coming in from you know um, playing Jenga or playing like. Betrayal or Catan or something like that. You wouldn't immediately jump up to Root or Twilight Imperium. Mm. But those games where you sit around a table for like five, six hours and you come away with like a bunch of different stories 
Diplomacy is another one. Diplomacy is massively intimidating, but it's just unlike anything else. It's all about like social interaction and kind of having those stories between people. Yeah. Um, that I get so excited just to be like, what happens when you add these people in? Like, like what's going to happen this time? Because mm. it's different every time. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I was going to say Root, which is like a really predictable answer from this corner. <laughs> but um, I think the thing is, it's a little bit cheaty because like I've not been playing Root that long. But like, I think it's just the kind of game that if you were to say to someone, hey, there's a game that's capable of becoming like, I don't know if a lifestyle makes sense. <laughs> In the sense that you play, you if you actually want to really experience Root, you have to play it like so many times, and then the more you play it, the more you're like, I want to keep playing this because it's just so engaging and just like it's just incredible in terms of an experience of like it's a game that you just it's like an onion, <laughs> you just keep unwrapping those layers. <laughs> Uh, and the more you, the deeper you go in, the sweeter it gets. Hmm. Ogres and root. That's what they say. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, otherwise, I would say like a game like Eldritch Horror, in the sense that um, it's not something I've just like slammed down in front of anyone who'd not played board games for, because it is one, it's enormous and incredibly intimidating, and two, even though the basics of even though a lot of it is just moving and rolling dice and reading, I think there are so many little bits about it that it could be very a bit too much for someone who hadn't played a lot of board games before. And also, like it's so thematic that I think a lot of people who who are new to board games that might be quite intimidating for them. Could be quite um, punishing, I think, as well. Yeah, it's also incredibly for... punishing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I kind of love it for that because it fits so well with. With the theme of it being mm. about these terrible eldritch beings that are far more powerful than you will ever be. And frankly, you are just screwed from the beginning. As long as you accept that, then it's a fantastic <laughs> experience. Because Eldritch Horror is definitely a game that's more about the journey than the destination. And I think it really helps that it's a horror uh, co-op experience. You're all in this together. It's not like one of you at the beginning is like, I'm gonna win let's just accept that it's more like we probably will lose but it's gonna be a fun time doing it and boy is it a fun time and i'm just like really experienced like i'm really excited sorry to like the idea of slamming that down in front of someone going right you've made it to the next level (laughs) like prepare to feel both it you know frills and chills but also oh no this is terrible <laughs> um yeah i i've actually written an article about it you can read on dicebreaker.com about eldritch horror so if you want to learn more go and read that what about you meg um before i say <laughs> mine uh arkham horror was my first board game like my first you know board really? games when uh-huh. i was a kid and then oh, i got oh, into okay. tcg and the first game i played was arkham horror and it was second oh. edition and it taught me you can lose like i right out the gate i was i board <laughs> yeah. games will be oh, yeah. when you play call up yeah and i loved it that's what got me so into it that the game beat me and i was like wait the papers can do this and just cards let's do it again <laughs> so i love that experience of of knowing what the game can do to you and that you're playing against mm. that like you would a computer and i think people get mad when they lose games but it's like 
you know, think of any levels you do in a video game and do you beat it first time every single try? No. So why are you mad at the board game? Mm. <laughs> um, but mine is Talisman. I force Talisman on everyone. It's And I get a lot of no's. <laughs> that's the thing. But I ask for it all the time. Anytime someone's here, I'm like, how about Talisman, though? I know we could do this, this, or that, but how about Talisman? And I get it sometimes, <laughs> but not often enough. <laughs> There's so many different versions as well. Mm, I was like, going to say, is it like vanilla Talisman? I have regular, um, and then I have the expansions, and then I have uh, Disney. I have Kingdom Hearts Talisman, but I do not have the Batman. Oh, uh, nice. But I like regular. Okay. Okay. Oh, gee, Yeah, and there's a Star Wars one now, isn't there, Matt? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think. Yeah, I mean, there's like a Talisman for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like... I've never played Talisman, actually. It's so fun. It's cool. You get well, you have to log in a whole lot of You found someone who'll play Talisman with you. <laughs> Why do you hate do you too hate talisman? Then? I don't want to crush our guests. Like, <laughs> it's okay. A lot of people don't, don't love it like I do. Yeah, both both Matt and I are not fans of it, but we want to encourage. Yeah. People. I can so, respect people that do like yeah. it. Like that's fine. It's just not for me. That's fine. We'd, yeah, we we can accept that we don't necessarily share your opinion. Hmm. I do love Kingdom Hearts though, so actually maybe Kingdom Hearts Talisman <laughs> is the way in for me. No, it's not as good. It's really not as good, and it's kind of weird that like um, they change a lot in it, but they yeah. they make it so that you can try to win from like the losing, but it it doesn't make sense because you really can't. Um, like there's end scoring where you can score for things, but it's like if you're not oh, the right. person that got to the end, it doesn't really matter. Um, hmm. It's not it's as a bit good. like the experience of of playing Kingdom Hearts, right? You get to the end, but ultimately it doesn't really matter. Yeah, you find yourself wondering (laughs) what's just happened and trying to add it all up. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds like the Kingdom Hearts experience. I've heard the Uh, Batman one is good, but I have not played that one. Hmm. You're thinking about it. Yeah, um, yeah. Gloomhaven. I've been thinking for it. Well, I only have Gloomhaven Jaws of the Line, like physical copy, and I've not actually whipped it out yet. But yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. Um, I think, like, I want to say Star Realms, but I feel like Star Realms, like, would be considered a gateway game for many. Um, but for me, because I have such a, like, a personal connection to Star Realms, and I feel like sometimes for people who are entirely new to the hobby, um, like, just like the, the different factions and like uh, there's a like there's quite a lot of information to, to gain um or like that you have to kind of take in your first uh game that like and also i i really want people to like it so i i never make that like the first game i teach them or like one of the first games i teach them because i'm um, i really want them to like it so i want to make sure that they're at a place where they kind of like have played a few games and um i don't know or like i guess their their minds are a bit more open Ooh. um so like even though I don't think you would consider like not a gateway game like that would probably be a game that I wouldn't you know that would that I would like hold on for a while before mm. I, I teach it. Um, I've been wrecking my head. I feel like there's loads, but I can't. I'm the thing is because I I don't have my board game collection in front of me. I'm like, <laughs> what do I even own? Remember it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to remember it and trying to remember like out of those games what but i can't i can't think it's like everything that i'm thinking of is like no i teach that first time no i teach it and i think also like with my own board game collection um i think most of the games that i own i would consider gateway games um because i don't really have a group 
that I would play heavier games with. So most of the time when I play my physical board games, it's with people who are new to the hobby or who are like who haven't played a huge amount. So it's my my games are pretty like um, beginner friendly, I would say. Mm. Um, so but I, yeah, I don't know. There's there's something. <laughs> so Matt and I have discussed this in the past. Uh, I have a thesis that will be my doctorate. <laughs> <laughs> where uh, I believe there is a genre of board game called bridge games and we have we have talked about this and I talk about it a little bit in this article about Dead of Winter funnily enough and uh, I believe there is a kind of board game that it's not a gateway game but it's not it's it's not quite hobby hobbyist like yeah I agree with that there's definitely I would I would completely agree with that yeah, yeah. They're, like they're... Col- I feel like Cult Express might be one of those yeah yeah hmm. so like there, I believe there is a term we should be using called bridge games, which is specifically to de- to describe games that are designed to move people over from gateway games to hobbyist games, and then the kind of ones that are like introduce some more sort of heavier mechanics or ideas into mm-hmm. an otherwise fairly simple structure. Yeah, so I would I would describe. Dead of Winter to be like that in the sense that it's not the kind of game that I would put in front of someone who would never play board games before, but I also wouldn't say it's hugely complex or difficult to get into, but it has a lot of elements to it that are, are designed, I think, to kind of usher people into that that kind of hobbyist area. So uh, look look on this space dictionary. I like it. Games. I think it's we gonna... should make a thing. Mm. Yeah, I'm. We should I make agree. it a thing. I'm on board. I'm on board. Yeah, Let's do it. And put my name next to it, a little <laughs> picture of my face. <laughs> Inventor. That's how it works. That's yeah. That's that is... that's all a pattern is. You just have to put your name. There will be the Mehan yeah. bridges. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, then I can have my own actual bridge. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I'll I'll squat on it like, or I'll sit mm. underneath it like a troll. And <laughs> made of made of board me. games, me and just a bridge made of board games. Yeah, like that. Mm. Yeah, then yeah, they'll have to pay me. You sat underneath the bridge, otherwise I'm gonna go up there and I don't know. Right, look. <laughs> uh, on a, sim- a similar sort of note, me and would you like to read this one from Derek, please? Yeah, I can read this question from Derek. Derek says, "Hi, Dicebreaker Podcast." I watched your recent You've Never Played video on Ticket to Ride. Very recent. It looked like a lot of fun, as the route building looked quite satisfying. But I also wonder how much the random elements would aggravate me. Oh, really? (laughs) What (laughs) other games of similar mechanics, perhaps with less random elements, even if they are similar in a more abstract manner, I would love to hear about games that might scratch a similar itch. Thanks for the videos, and thanks as well if you can point me in the right direction. Uh... Thank you for your question, Derek. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Games so, are less random than Ticket to Ride, but, but root, root building. I mean, like, speak if you're into if you're into train games. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the the least random train games are 18xx games, or the genre known as 18xx, which is like a very hardcore um, train game style where you build routes, but you also manage the companies, like you manage the railroad companies. And they are brutal and cutthroat uh, because you can essentially just tank companies to try and sink other people who have invested in the company. But there is, in most 18xx games, there is almost no luck. So it's purely kind of 
driven by your strategy, which makes them especially kind of nasty because if you fall behind, it's very hard to catch back up. Um, but they're a very particular kind of game, but they are, yeah, they're, they're a, a league away from Ticket to Ride, but if you like that kind of style, uh, that might be up your street. I think um, it's... I, I, right, okay. I mean, they, they said you can say things that are similar in an abstract mm-hmm. way. I always consider, like, everyone knows I don't like Ticket to Ride, right? So um, I would never suggest Ticket to Ride anyway. But uh, there's a game that I really like um, called Marrakesh, uh, which is um, the game <laughs> where you, like, all have rugs and you have to move around the board and you place down your rugs. And it's an error control game at the end of the day. Um, but it's you can kind of get in each other's grills, but you can it's kind of like fairly easy to avoid each other as well. There's a slight random element in the in terms of a die that you roll at the beginning of each turn to move Assam around the board, um, but it only goes up to like four, so you're never gonna get like hugely far away from from like the others. So it's, I I think there's a lot less random elements in it, um, but it's kind of like a similar feel a similar vibe like a similar kind of like um very simple seems very friendly but can also be brutal if you play with matt jarvis for example um, <laughs> for um, example for <laughs> example um i i mean i've never played it with matt but i i would assume that he would it sounds like yeah, we never but... will play it <laughs> thanks for getting that off of matt, matt's natural sort of cruelty what it comes to see my the funny thing about this is my preference is generally for card games i like games where people work together or tell stories together and lolis is the one of the team who doesn't particularly care for card games but but now now i'm the bad guy i think it's because i think it's because it's a little bit like you know in the avengers where the hulk is like the secret is i'm always angry I think with you, it's the secret is you are always mean. Oh wow! In the board game, in the board game department, <laughs> but like you have to temper that by playing like co-op games. Because then, if you allow yourself to play games like Ticket to Ride and stuff, then like the the that part of you comes out. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you're mean. I'm just saying like. You're too good. I have a hoodie from PAX and it says, it's a co-op game, but I'm winning. And that makes me think of that. that like, no matter <laughs> that's what. That's me. That's so me. That's I need that. Yeah, the see, that's lowlies, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. yeah, it's always like, I'm winning. And then and then people are like, we're playing together. I'm like, yeah, but, but I am I'm doing a better it. job. Yeah, I'm doing a better job as this team. <laughs> good thing you have me then. better I'm working together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about you, I need that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know for this one. I was trying to rack my brain for something that I would compare to Ticket to Ride, but less random. I was trying to go through, like, what's in my collection and everything, and I'm like, no, that's random. No, that has a lot of random. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's kind of stumping me that a game that I can think that's very typical, I guess, and and, and more just about the strategy. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, because I do have Ticket to Ride and I love it. Um, I lose it every time, but I I love it. (laughs) Just Uh, never play with Matt Jarvis and you'll you'll continue to love it. I lose all the time. My husband (laughs) gets me at it. So, but I'm trying to think because there was a game I was comparing to Ticket to Ride 
with the matching colors, and this was like a month ago, and I can't remember what it was. Hmm. I, I am I stumped. Mean, I'd, <laughs> I'd maybe say something. A, I maybe say something a bit like photosynthesis. If you understand where I'm getting. I also don't yeah, like photosynthesis, so that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> uh, see, I like photosynthesis. Um, I only played it once. Uh, because it does have a lot less random elements in the fact that... In fact, I'm struggling to think of any random elements that are in that game. I don't think there are. In the random sense that same. you decide where you start, you decide what you do in your turn, you get a certain set of amount of points depending on like where the sun is. So this is like a game where you grow trees from seeds, but in order to grow those trees, they need to collect light points, which come from where, depending on where the sun is shining. But you know exactly where the sun is going to shine, like before it does, because it goes around in a very specific loop. Um, but it, I guess you're kind of root building in a little bit in this root building. <laughs> And a little bit in the sense that, <laughs> thank you, uh, you are throwing seeds from your tree to like another spot on the board. And then that will open up another spot for you to throw a seed from once that tree is grown. So maybe try photosynthesis. I like it. I think, Matt, you. Yeah, it's. I. Yeah, I think, it's a, it's I a think good it was, game. It's not something that I love to be. I think it was overhyped. I think that was the problem. I think people were like, "Oh, this is the next best thing," like, and it's like it's it's not a big, you know, massive revolution. Like, there's nothing there that you know you wouldn't have maybe seen in a similar mm. game. Uh, but I do like it. Like, yeah, it has a it's... very dry. The the the. The art is lovely, but it has kind of a dry, dry nature about it. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it gets a long way on the 3D trees. Yeah, um. I think the 3D trees do a lot. They, it's pretty, but like, yeah. Pretty boring. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Meg, have, you, have you played Ticket to Ride Europe at all? No, I've or... played London. I have London, uh, okay, so a small yeah, yeah. guy, but that's it. Yeah. Because actually, Ticket to Ride Europe, I was just thinking about it, that it, it introduces stations, mm. um, which kind of takes a little bit of the randomness out. Uh, so there, there are Ticket to Ride, it's, it's still, you're drawing cards and so on. London London is also a great game, but it's <laughs> is, is very similar to Ticket to Ride in that you're you're drawing cards and just putting them down. But I own Ticket yeah, to Ride London. It's adorable. Yeah, they're really nice, those those little Ticket to Rides. Mm -hmm. New York is great mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, um, you, the agony is over, over quicker. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they really like they really do whiz by. Like you can knock out a game in like five ten minutes. It's mm. it's kind of amazing. Then I guess it's not so bad because you're salty for less time. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's the the main trick. It's so bad. Ticket to Ride London. I when we play it, it's I lose every time. So it's like I'll lose and then be like, okay, let's set it up again, and then I'll lose again and be like, okay, let's go, and then I just have to eventually. <laughs> Best be like, of three. Best of five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your your partner's like, oh, how do you come and get something? No! He's sitting there like, I guess if you want it again. Sure. <laughs> uh, all right. I think that is all we've got time for on this week's Dicebreaker podcast. Before we leave you quickly, Lolis, what's up on youtube.com slash Dicebreaker? Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> See, usually I know, but I've, as I've mentioned, I've been out. Oh, of course. You've so been away. I'm going to have a quick look at the... Do you uh, want me to the... jump in? Because I can... Uh... No, I, the, the document um... is opening as we speak, and now I see it. Um, <laughs> tomorrow, um, there seems to be a You've Never Played Tash Kalar. I'm assuming yes. that's with the three of you, as in Wheels. It's with me and Wheels. Um, oh, 
it's just I the had, two of you. I had never played Tashkalar. Uh, uh, well, there you go. That'll be up mm-hmm. on Saturday, uh, so tomorrow. Um, and on Sunday, Wheels writes a song... Is this happening? Do you know, Matt? Should I be reading this I, I out? Don't know. What? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to read this out. As soon as you say it on the podcast, <laughs> it will be cursed by tech issues or it's always the way. The podcast is real. Um, uh, I, I'm not going to say it, but there might <laughs> potentially be a song and a wheels video on Sunday. Just keep your eyes peeled. You should just be just be following us on YouTube yeah. and then you'll be Ooh. notified of our videos anyway. Um, and then next week we're going to do, um, on Wednesday, we're going to do a Let's Play of, um, oh, actually, I don't know if that's happening on Wednesday. I, <laughs> I'm going to stop talking now because yeah. I, I think things yeah. may or may not move around this this uh, schedule that we've made. So um, things are happening and you should you should watch. Yeah, <laughs> watch yeah. Out for them. and you can also find uh, the usual news and features and whatnot on Dicebreaker.com. You can get some Dicebreaker merchandise at dicebreaker.myshopify.com. Thank you so much for joining us, Meg. Thank you for being here. Where can people find you where can they find what you do absolutely this was really fun um so i'm professor meg everywhere uh i'm biggest on instagram so if you guys want to check me out that's where i am the most often um i tweet occasionally very sassy stuff i used to twitch stream (laughs) i might again but pretty much everywhere i'm professor meg um and i'll just be talking about random board game stuff and what i've been playing um, Meg does this great thing where she sits in a glue <laughs> box quite often, or she just sits in like board a few game now. bags. I've gotten uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a few that I'm gonna try to fit in, and we shall see. I, I can fit in a Jaws of the Lion box. I didn't take pictures of it, but I did it like in my pajamas oh, no one way. day, and I can. Wow. So we'll see. <laughs> It's it's a great feature that I love when she does it because it's very entertaining. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for being here, and of course, thank you, Alex Meehan and Alex Lolies, for joining me. Yeah, I guess thanks for having me once again. <laughs> Look, I went for the nice outro. For I once. enjoyed it. No, I, I had a great it. time. Thank you yeah. for um for this great time. <laughs> so sincere. Uh, but yeah, thank you all. Thank you for listening. If you're listening. Uh, we'll catch you soon but until we return with another episode of the Dicebreaker Podcast next Friday stay safe out there look after yourselves and have a lovely day bye bye